0: Hey everyone, welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences podcast. I am Heather Hoops Matthews, here in the studio today with Dara James Coleman. Dara, good to be with you again. It's always great to see you, Heather, thank you. Dara serves on Nexen Pruitt's healthcare practice group team, and I know both professionally, of course, your clients are continuing to innovate and navigate the pandemic, but you personally as well. Right, yes, over Christmas, um, my son had COVID for the second time,
1: in 12 months and then most recently my daughter went back to virtual learning because her high school um, was hit really hard they were short staffed and then had so many students hit by um, the recent omicron strain so it has hit my family like so many others on both fronts from an actual infection and then from just a reactive state so we are like a lot of families where we're trying to treat things at home and still maintain some sense of normalcy. So we're very excited to hear from today's guest about what he's doing to help facilitate
0: other families um, staying at home and um, keeping them safe. That's right. After this short break, we're going to be char- joined by Charles McDonough. He is CEO of Interim Healthcare of the Upstate, and it's one of the leading providers of home health care, hospice, and personal care services. So stay tuned on Taking the Pulse. Welcome back, everyone. Our guest today is Interim Healthcare of the Upstate CEO, Charles McDonough. Charles is a healthcare executive with years of experience in the post-acute and hospital-based services, and he's currently on the board of the South Carolina Home Care and Hospice Association. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Interim Healthcare centers around a commitment to keep patients out of the hospital and at home for the healthcare. And uh, you serve, you know, 15,000 patients in eight counties in the upstate. Can you tell us more a little bit about your work?
2: Yeah, so, you know, in addition to the 15,000 or upwards of 15,000 patients that we're currently serving, you know, the work is, just, is, is much more than that. Uh, you know, we've you know, taking pride in the past 42 years of being able to service the communities that we live in, uh, trying to handle uh, really patient care situations in a normal situation, but uh, COVID changed all that for everybody. Uh, we would get a referral from a hospital and just trying to make sure they navigated that care path, but, but now COVID has enlightened us in so many ways where it's much more about, you know, mending broken bones or sickness and ailments. We've faced struggles around keeping patients and their family members alive, related to their spiritual status, their mental status. Um, you know, we've had our franchise partners roll out a program called Home Life Enrichment, which focuses on the entire mind, body, and spirit. So, you know, we we look at it through the approach of and supporting that we want to make sure that when somebody comes in uh, to our interim family, if you will, that they they never leave us, but when they depart us temporarily, that they, they are better than when we found them.
1: Mr. McDonough, you just talked about how your model has been impacted by COVID for your patients. I'm curious about how COVID, particularly the Omicron variant, has impacted your workers, because we've heard from a lot of other healthcare employers how they've been impacted. Can you touch upon that a little bit for us?
2: Uh, Absolutely. So, you know, early on, we were hopeful. Uh, You know, we have a number of Uh, patients uh, or patients and their caregivers and and our employees that are all vaccinated. Some of them have their boosters. Mm -hmm. Um, Others have been wearing masks. I mean, everybody's been doing what they can uh, to keep this disease at bay. Right. Um, This time's a little bit different. Right. Because um, I think we heard earlier that uh, your family's been touched by this twice Mm -hmm. already since it started. We're seeing a lot of that with breakthrough cases through our employees. Um, and just today, we're talking about moving our staff to a contingency, let alone maybe crisis level, because we are seeing the disease rise to a certain point where we are having to look at uh, different ways to be able to care for the patients um, so that we can not overburden and overwhelm our employees and um, the amount of patient volume that's coming to us. So it's been critically important. If you ask me, it's you know our number one focus and goal on any of our strategic initiatives right now is making sure that our employees are taken care of and they're protected. And you know, sometimes that requires us taking a step back and looking at it from a holistic perspective. Is how much work can they actually bear, uh, so we can continue to do a great job um, and make sure that we're continuing to wow our constituents and our communities.
0: I know you're not alone in you know trying to navigate again another change in the pandemic, and we've seen. You know it's it's a silver lining but it's it's encouraging to see companies be able to be nimble and move and make changes it's also been exciting to see you know um me have a doctor's appointment on facetime on my phone and different things like that and during the pandemic i know people may have started looking more at home health right so for sh- before maybe they just considered assisted living but now well maybe i I want to keep mom and dad out of a facility can you talk a little bit about those trends that might be happening
2: 100 percent. so it is probably one of the most if you ask me it's one of the most precedented moves as we've been talking about this for the past 10 to 15 years on how more care was shifting to the home but uh, covid really just exacerbated that i mean we are seeing the the numbers of levels of baby boomers shifting to the home um just simply because everybody's aging into that category and you know, we're seeing a lot of folks that don't want to go to skilled nursing homes. They don't want to go to enlisted, assisted living facilities. And we offer an opportunity for respite support. We, have, we offer an opportunity for individualized care plans, bringing physicians to you, therapists, um, end of life support, and also integrating digital innovations into that process. Because, you know, to be honest here is that we we see a lot about how the hospitals have been crippled. Uh, by the ability to care for their patients, for lack of employees, the assisted living, the skilled nursing facilities are all at 120 to 150% capacity. Our organization, uh, while we fared a little bit better, the concern still remains, right? There are enough sick people, uh, those that want to receive care in the home versus not, we're seeing a landslide shift to that. You know, we've seen over 30% increase in our patient care census in the past year um, with, similar trends, they just want care in the home. And we are having to adapt to that through various issues of digital innovation, various opportunities for digital innovation. You spoke through being able to get your doctor visit to see you on your iPhone. Why should your nursing and therapy visit in your home be any different, right? You're safe, you're secure, you're comfortable. um, And we have the opportunity to make real difference. And uh, we are seeing numbers uh, and you come to us in droves. We're seeing legislative action um, on Capitol Hill through the Choose Home Act of 2021, which is going to allow it patients um, on the Medicare benefit to choose whether they go to a skilled nursing facility or not. They can choose whether they want to get their daily care in their home or in a facility. So we're finally starting to see the legislation starting to catch up with the care needs of the patient um, and align with the technological innovation that, that is also uh, coming alive as a result of the pandemic.
1: Um, Mr. McDonough, if you don't mind, I want to go back and talk a little bit more about those technological tools, because we've talked a lot about telemedicine on the podcast. But we haven't really talked about that as much in terms of how that's being integrated with home health. Um, You know, we've talked about that with how we would interact with our primary care providers and maybe if we're gonna do a behavioral health consult, but not necessarily how we're gonna deal with this on an ongoing basis if we're having, you know, maybe hospice care or an ongoing relationship as an alternative to assisted care living. Can you talk about how your service is integrating technology um, for your particular patient demographic?
2: Absolutely. So, I think a couple ways to touch on that is is you know where we've been, where we're at, and where we're going, mm-hmm. right? So, in in the home health industry or community based industry, uh, telehealth, as far as monitoring vitals and physiological data, has been around for upwards of twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it first coming out, just trying to make sure that a heart failure patient didn't gain a couple pounds and end up back in the hospital. It was principally driven as a hospital reduction tool, and our organization, like many others, have been doing that. Uh, for the better part of two decades at this point. Um, what we're doing today is a lot of that same stuff, uh, but at the same time, looking at it more from an acute intervention perspective where we have been. So if you, you talk about your behavioral health consult, you talk about uh, meeting with your nurse practitioner or your physician based on a need that you had. What about the opportunities that you didn't know you had a need? Right. So we've we're starting to develop out and roll out and implement in current state of remote patient monitoring platform that allows you to for us to be able to monitor you, ask you about motivational interviewing questions, and insert a caregiver on an on-demand basis. Advisory board released a study in 2021 that said for the past three years, one of the top concerns among patients in their healthcare provision was on-demand care, when they wanted it, where they wanted it. How they wanted it. Um, Access to care presents that challenge. So we're currently using our telehealth. We are rolling out more monitoring platforms. So when the patients roll on or off of service, you heard me speak earlier about, you know, nobody ever really leaves the interim family. And that's how we're trying to construct our care platform is that we want to make sure that you have got that care umbrella wrapped around you. Um, and if you start to have a need, we identify that before it gets problematic. So, you know, leaving that intervention um, in your home and being able uh, to insert a you know, a nurse, a therapist, a nurse practitioner when necessary. You talked about from a hospice perspective, um, being at somebody and being near them during their end of life is the most precious moments that anybody uh, could share with a loved one identifying those opportunities and making sure that we can share that, you know, share that experience with everybody is critical to our core values in the way that we perform. So, you know, being able to influence that and be able to get spiritual guidance, be able to get emotional guidance um, on demand when necessary is something that we are all about. And that way we can focus when those last days do come, we can make sure everybody's in the home on demand as much as humanly possible where the industry is going. Um, I believe it's going to be very much so related to the, you know, extension of the remote monitoring and the remote therapeutic options in the future. Uh, We've made a sizable capital investment um, into creating a a living health cloud, if you will, to where we are constantly looking at our existing data um, around patient physiological information, social determinants of health. Um, in some instances, scrubbing some claims data so we can predict on when we need to reach out and have an intervention with you know our interim family members. So, you know, I personally feel that the digital innovation age um, is going to be the future of healthcare. It will never replace the need for a clinical intervention by an in-person care provider, whether that be in the facility or a nurse in the home. However, what we do know as a result of the pandemic is that there are simply not enough clinical providers to go around to help everybody all the time. So the technology that we leverage during COVID is really going to have to be that catalyst into the future. And that's really catching up to the rest of the industry. I mean, I don't know about you. I haven't stepped inside of a bank in almost six years. You know, I really recently relocated to South Carolina Um and didn't have to sign any of the paperwork in person. So healthcare should be no different as long as we can manage it that way. And I, I principally believe that our core value that's gonna be the future of, of the healthcare delivery platform.
0: It sounds like there are great opportunities for your industry and for your company. What are challenges? I'm sure there are some challenges that are ahead. What? How do you see those?
2: Well, so the first challenge and frankly the biggest one is just staffing, right? We could put all the technology in in the world. Right. But again, as I mentioned, it never replaces the need for that caregiver. Somebody's got to pay attention to the information. Somebody's got to answer the phone call. Somebody has to be delivered or deployed to uh, to the home and or facility. So staffing at this point, um, it is it is everybody's biggest challenge from the personal care assistant that is helping doing light duty work around the house, all the way up to the physician that is evaluating the patient and managing their care plan. Um, I believe, too, uh, Second, secondly, moving on from that, is that uh, the care needs and the technological innovation has always outpaced uh, the regulatory need and the re- reimbursement platforms, right? So I will say that um, under our prior administration and our current administration, there have been significant headwinds made on shifting funds to ca- take care of patients in the home um, and being related to some of that, um, you know uh, digital innovation and reimbursement so again we're seeing a lot of that headwind trying to you know handle the inflation around the the cost of employment and trying to be able to beg borrow and steal if you will uh, for the next nurse to the next therapist to the next aid um, but also trying to balance that with the overall cost of technology and the cost of their de- care deployment from you know reimbursement and cost ratio or margin compression mm-hmm. if you will from a business standpoint so I mean, those those are certainly two of the biggest ones. I'm sure I could go on and on, but it's really staff and, and margin compression that I think we're gonna be facing over the course of the next
0: several years. Well, with a 30% increase in patients, I think that's what you mentioned, you are definitely gonna to have to find the staff, um, but it sounds like you have the history to be a stable employer, which I know is important to many people. Right charles mcdonough thank you so much for joining us today thank you for the good work that you and your team are doing in the upstate we look forward to learning more about this dara maybe we should have somebody on to talk more about the choose home act of 2021 i don't we've just finished consumerism and price transparency and a lot of those things had changes in 2021 as well absolutely i think it's something that we need to continue to monitor
1: and these are trends that we're going to see unfold because staffing is a challenge across the healthcare industry and the reimbursement and the the need for parity for in-home services is a challenge for so many providers, Heather. So we definitely are going to need to continue to monitor this and talk about it um, as we continue to um, roll into 2022. But Mr. McDonough, thank you so much for the good work you're doing and for talking to us today. And for all the services you're providing to um, the interim family, as you described it, I hope it does continue to grow um, and that your services continue to expand.
0: We appreciate you.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: For those of you who joined us today for Taking the Pulse, we hope you enjoyed this conversation and we look forward to seeing you back here next time on Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences podcast.